Hello and welcome to The Membership, a podcast inspired by the life and works of Wendell Berry, the Kentucky farmer and writer. I am your host, John Pattison. Here on The Membership, we do deep dives into Berry's writings, but we also interview folks from all walks of life who are putting Berry's ideas into action where they live. And that is why it's my great pleasure to welcome to the show this week, Matt Wheeler, Matt is a singer-songwriter from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Matt's albums are often inspired by works of classic literature, including the works of C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, and the book Watership Down, among many others. And Matt recently launched a Kickstarter campaign for his newest album, A Hard History of Love. And that record is a suite of songs and stories and even some original poetry inspired by Wendell Berry's short story collection, That Distant Land. Matt, thank you so, so much for being here. It is a pleasure. Thanks for having me, John. Absolutely. So the first question we always ask our guests is the same, and that is about their Wendell Berry origin story. Do you remember how and when you originally encountered Berry's work and kind of what your first impressions were? I'd say the first that I ever heard the name Wendell Berry was in the music of a singer-songwriter that... Um, that I got to know the work of in Virginia, where I went to college. Um, in fact, someone named Jacob Zachary. Um, he he made references to the Mad Farmer. He he shouted out Wendell by first name, um, and I didn't know at first who he was talking about until I did a little bit of digging. I mean, it was early days of the internet in the I don't know around two thousand, late nineties. Um, but I was able to find enough to have to realize he was talking about Wendell Berry. <laughs> And uh, I guess like that stuck with me and I guess I'd heard a little bit more about him over the years. Uh, and then the time was right to check out his work. Uh, right around the time my son was born, I was laid off from the job I was working um, like like within three weeks of when he was born, which mm. seems really inopportune. Turns yeah. out to have been providential. I had more time to spend with him and my wife as we were figuring this whole parenting family thing out. But the other thing was I went ahead and uh, and and you know checked out some books, some Wendell Berry books in the library. Uh, I started with The Wild Birds, um, the, the suite of short stories, which interestingly, most if not all of those uh, are part of that distant land mm. uh, that this project's based on. It's hard to describe the appeal. It's not that heady, um, but it's very real. The way he describes characters, you you feel like you're getting to know them. You know, so so I read. I think I think the next book after that might have been Hannah Coulter and Jibber Crow followed not too long after um, it was later on that I got into like the essays and I read his collected poetry maybe oh four or five years ago and did some free writings from it which that's where my the poem that appears in this album mm -hmm. came from as I revisited that it seemed like the right time to pull it out shortly after um, that being laid off and reading the wild birds I decided to check out more like what else is there and and, you know, end up reading like The Memory of Old Jack and uh, um, just I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I think that, that Distant Land was somewhere a little farther down the line. I remember really enjoying uh, Ptolemy Proudfoot and Miss Minnie Quinch in particular yes. as characters. And they feature heavily in this new album, too. So. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was basically interestingly enough was was through song that was introduced to Wendell Berry and then. Uh, and then, you know, just digging in and, you know, shout out to to public libraries. <laughs> I was able to do the interlibrary loan between the different branches and uh, and and get almost all of the fiction. I think I think I read Remembering Then. 
And of course, there's some some newer stuff that I've read more recently because somehow Wendell Berry is still churning out books in his like mid to late 80s. Yeah, as we're recording this, he's 80, like he just turned 89. Yes. Yeah. And he's doing remarkably well. Yeah. And so, and I, I wish him many more years. And I mean, partly because I'd like to read more of his work, but he just seems like such a quality guy. Now, it's not necessarily true of everyone, but I'm surprised sometimes that I'm surprised how many people that I, I talk to who like Wendell Berry's work tend to prefer the fiction to the nonfiction or the poetry mm. to the fiction. Not that they don't like the other stuff, but they're especially drawn to like one particular style of his writing. Is that true of you or are you kind of general purpose? You like it all? I, well, I do like it all, but I would say like no question that the poor William fiction was the uh, was my entrance in and I, w- I was hooked. And then it was more like later on, you know, it's it's almost like, you know, you're listening to Spotify or something and or you you're watching something on YouTube and it's like, well, you might also like this. Um, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. But it's like, mm-hmm. but like the back of a book, it'll be like you know, also by Wendell Berry and it'll have these different categories. And I'm like, oh, oh, essays and poetry, too. So I would say like I came to the other parts later. I'd like I would say I've, I pretty readily picked up the poetry. I enjoy his use of language. And I appreciate that he used it so many different ways. Mm. Um, the the essays I feel like sometimes are a little more of an acquired taste. Sometimes I really love them. Like I'm I'm currently reading um, the Need to Be Whole, which is you know like 600 pages long. Mm-hmm. But but I, compared to some of the other essay collections, I mean, he's always got good meaty ideas. But like the density of them, I think is part of why it can be. Like, it's not as easy as just like reading this interesting story about Athy Keith and like something crazy had happened when he was young with all these characters you've gotten to know. Um, it's it, it's it's a little bit tougher because I don't know, like it's just it's just more weighty and it's it's important. And I appreciate that that he has so many different things that he does. But if I had to pick one, no question would be the Port William fiction, then What's- it'd be the poetry and then it would be the essays. But but that said, I do still enjoy them all. Yeah, well, and I should say that in this new album, which is called The Hard History of Love, you're weaving together your own songs and poetry, and you have the fiction, and you have these very, very short essays, like sub two minutes, mm-hmm. which are like you're you're speaking over original music to kind mm-hmm. of create this cohesive whole. And so in your own way, you're, you know, you're pulling from all three and creating all three yourself and so Mm -hmm. it makes sense that you're going to resonate with all three yeah well yeah although i would i would say that when i set out to do a wendell berry project um well honestly i struggled with the focus at first um my album before this as as you referenced it's called wonder of it all and it's based on books like the horse and his boy and watership town and so on the hobbit and and the reason i ended up doing the the spoken pieces there is because when i was talking with chris hoisington the uh the producer from older studios up in Western New York. Well, we were talking at first, he reached out to me about possibly working together because we know some of the same people. And he's like, what are you gonna do with the next project? I'm like, I don't know. I just done this orchestral folk band uh, album with, with Matt Wheeler and vintage heart. So we were, so I wasn't sure what was going to come next. And so, but in a couple of conversations, we, it became pretty clear that the two of my moves, two things I like to do most tend to be songs based on classic works of literature. And I've done some other ones like that. Usually it's like a couple of them on an album, you know, Old Man the Sea, Les Mis, The Odyssey, whatever. Um, other other things that just might you know, make some reference. But yeah, talking with him, it seems that uh, like like doing a, 
an album, like a concept of songs that were based on classic works just made sense. And it was going to be a five song EP because that's what I had the budget for. And that's what we were talking about time wise, too. And then um, we also the, the second theme that emerged was the idea of like uh, some spoken pieces, because mm-hmm. the other thing I, I love, I play a lot of house concerts and I and I love and listening room concerts like in churches and such. And I loved like the interactive aspect. And ever since I've played solo much more than with band in the last few years, I, I kind of like to, you know, like, like play off the audience, you know, like encourage them to sing along and things and and to tell them stories. And sometimes it's like a little bit of stand up comedy. It's a little not really intentionally, but just, you know, remarks. And, and it's a little bit of like heartfelt stories and like like drawing you in so you get to know the characters and what the song is about. Like you know, rather than like jumping into a movie cold having no idea who the people are and like picking it up 30 minutes after it started <laughs> which somehow sometimes our songs can be um it's like like let me tell you a little bit about this some things you should know and now let's move forward into this um and so one of the cool things is that chris was like hey you know we could go ahead and do the spoken pieces and we won't charge anything additional mm-hmm. so the five song ep wound up being actually an 11 song um album not counting the the uh the instrumental tracks the poem came i just ended up writing it while i was watching the sunrise over the niagara um river one morning and i was like hey can we record this too and they're like sure um so 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 i already had that structure of songs stories and poem um, in place with wonder of it all so that brings us up to a hard history of love and um, so when i was going to do this well i didn't again i wasn't sure what was next if i wanted to do something literary and I was talking with my friend Ned Bustard, who's ah. who's also from Lancaster here, and um, and we were at his Square Halo gallery, and he had done the cover art for Wonder of It All, which is beautiful, totally worth mm-hmm. checking out for anyone who's listening and wants to see it later. But, um, but we were we were talking about what's next, and and I was like, I feel kind of kind of like I feel kind of led, called, what have you, to, to do something on Wendell Berry's work. But I was telling him like it'll probably be like, you know, a song or two would be about like fiction, a song or two would be about poetry a song or two about essays like i thought it would be kind of that sort of approach and then ned just was like what's that one short story collection it's got like you know 20 or so stories you, know, you could just like pick your favorite five out of that and i was like that's brilliant and so so i so i promptly went i don't think i had a copy of that doesn't land at the time but got a copy reread it with the idea of of possibly uh writing some songs and i could have written more than just based on five of the stories but I picked up five five of my favorites, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and yeah. So then I just ended up going with the the little pieces, which I decided this time instead of just titling them chapter one or two or whatever, like I did on Wonder of It All, I decided to title them essay. You know, the dream of getting warm, or what? You know, so far as it goes, or other things. Just, one to make it abundantly clear: Hey, listener, this is going to be a spoken piece. <laughs> this isn't a song per se although we did we did do originals instead of doing like one song backing all of the essay pieces like we did with wonder of it all there there's like musically it bridges the gap as well as as well as uh like story-wise it kind of conveys you from one place to the next particularly when you're going like between the two different songs that involve toll and many mm-hmm. like 30 or so years apart interesting yeah like it wasn't probably until we had like the final mixes that i was kind of like thinking about what you just said it was like oh oh 
yeah, you know what? I do have songs. I've got stories. and I've even got a poem. My long one-sided apprenticeship with Wendell Berry is 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 showing some fruit. And here it is uh, for everyone to enjoy. So it was one of those realizations where like, kind of like when you listen to a song or maybe like if you write a story or a piece and you're like, you go back and read it a little later and you're like, this is good. Wow, I wrote that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, but it's, it just shows that, it, you know, I was just taking it one step at a time, and it turns out like where I wound up is a place that it turns out I'm really liking. Mm-hmm. Week after Thanksgiving, one cool November morn, I was braced against the snow, late 1934. The path home over Cotman Ridge. Wagons strained with corn The horse's breath in clouds of white The dream of getting warm The two appeared as made of wind A stranger and his son Poorly dressed against the weather Two hunched and ragged souls In so pleasant a place You don't expect to see a boy so solemn his age and a weathered man who turned and barely nodded when I'd say have you a home as you said there are 23 stories in that distant land and your album Mm -hmm. really focuses in on five of them and we'll get into Mm -hmm. the details later but just so folks know the five stories that you're pulling from are the hurt man, a consent, the solemn boy, making it home, and wild birds? I'm curious, mm-hmm. as you were go- as you were rereading that distant land, what was the process of choosing those five? Was it simply these are the ones that are most resonating with me? Were you looking for like a cohesive storyline? Because you also have structured your album to go chronologically from mm-hmm. 1888 in the first story to 1967. So. How do you decide yeah. from among those 23, these are the few that I want to focus on? Well, I could actually pull out, I mean, I recognize this is an audio podcast, but I could I could, I could produce the steno book where I, I wrote down the names, uh, or at least a word from the titles of each of the of the stories. And and as I re- reread each one, basically like some little note notation showing like this is this is one I definitely want to include or or uh, maybe not so much for this one. You know, like there's some I just resonated with more than others. Um, and there was also the piece that I did want them to be in chronological order, because one of the most wondrous things about the Port William fiction that, mm-hmm. I, that I really just love. Well, two things. One is the continuity. I mean, Wendell Berry's been doing this for like 60 years. And somehow, like I, you could probably find some continuity errors somewhere, but they sure aren't glaring if there are any. And I also appreciate that, like, you get this look across these different decades, these different portraits, these different scenes, especially in the short stories, um, which I would say are probably my favorite form of his of his poor William writing. But I mean, the novels are great, too. I appreciate that, like, like in The Hurt Man, the character Matt Feltner is someone you get to know as in the other stories as an old man, one of the rememberers of of his, his community. Uh, and yet, you know, in, in The Hurt Man, uh, in set in 1888, as you said, um, he's a five-year-old boy, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the porch with his mother, who's wearing black because he's the only surviving child, and the other three have all passed away. And it's like, um, like it's a part of his story that that really informs a lot of a lot of what he has going on later on. Um, 
and you know like this is multifaceted sort of thing like you know you read the novel, novel jaber crow and you really get to know a lot about jaber's inner world and his view of of life and faith and uh, and this community and but then other places he's like the side character but it's much richer because you know a lot more about mm -hmm. him yes uh, and it's it's like i'm not in a superhero movies but it's it's kind of like what i imagine it's like for people who are really into the Marvel comic universe, you know, where it's always different characters and like their side characters and their main characters. Um, it's like a rural Kentucky 60 year span version of the MCU, I guess. Mm -hmm. All that's missing so, is at the end of one novel, uh, Andy Catlett will return and, you know, dot, 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 whatever the next book is like they do at the end <laughs> of the Marvel movies. Right. Yeah. Something like it, like, like after the, the acknowledgements, that's like a little bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah. You're like, wait a second. This, this changes everything. Uh, what's going to happen next? So, so, I mean, it's just, it's so rich and, and I appreciate the fact that you can kind of like jump in anywhere. Like I, I talked with numerous people, especially talking about this fact that I was going to do it. I don't know how many people I've run into who are like, like I've been meaning to read some Wendell Berry or like, I know Houston Coley for uh, one of my friends, he was, uh, he was talking about like, he came across the Kickstarter and he said, he said, I I just, I forget which order this was, but it was like, I just read Jaber Crow and I'm about to read Hannah Coulter. Uh, and then I saw this. <laughs> it's like, I can't wait to dive in more. Like, yeah. Like I hope to introduce a lot of people to Barry's work. Uh, and, and I hope that deepens the appreciation for those who already do know his work. Yeah. There's just so much there. And uh, it's something that I just enjoy so deeply that, and it's just genuinely brilliant stuff to be able to like kind of, take that and translate it into my own language and also you know some people aren't aren't that much into reading uh but but i think you know if they give it a try they might like it but but the point is that like even if you don't know for sure if you want to embark on reading all of jaber crow a relatively longish book what 400 pages or something and uh, but i mean you could listen to a three minute song um or a suite uh, you can listen to the entire album uh and it kind of get a sense of what's going on it's a bit a bit of a bit of an introduction at least but but in a different form yeah so i mean there, there are some places where i'm drawing pretty heavily on wendell berry's actual wording like like in using the phrase a hard history of love which appears in the hurt man but but other times you know it's uh it's not so much mm -hmm. like that you know it's where it's it's much more just original but kind of riffing on the ideas can we talk a little bit more about your opening song, the title song, A Hard History mm -hmm. of Love, which is yeah. from that story, The Hurt Man. And mm -hmm. as you alluded, like Matt Feltner is five years old. Uh, his mother has lost three other children. He's the only surviving child. And in the midst of her grief, he sees her show this tremendous amount of tenderness uh, mm -hmm. and care for a man who has been wounded in a fight in town yeah and there is a passage that i would love for you to read from that short story that i think would kind of set up your album and even set up this next stage of the conversation really well would you mind reading that i'd be happy to do that and so it happens i have a copy of the distant land <laughs> what he saw in her face would remain with him forever it was pity but it was more than that it was a hurt love that seemed to include entirely the hurt man. It included him and disregarded everything else. It disregarded the aura of whiskey that ordinarily she would have resented. It disregarded the blood puddled on the porch floor and the trail of blood through the hall. Matt was familiar with her tenderness and had thought nothing of it. 
But now he recognized it in her face and in her hands as they went out to the hurt man's wounds. To him then, it was as though she leaned in the black of her mourning over the whole hurt world itself, touching its wounds with her tenderness in her sorrow. Loss came into his mind then, and he knew what he was years away from telling, even from thinking, that his mother's grief was real, that her children in their graves once had been alive, that everybody lying under the grass up in the graveyard once had been alive and had walked in daylight in Port William. And this was a part and belonged to the deliverance of the town's hard history of love. Mm. Thank you. Maybe chew on that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> that is some really, truly brilliant writing. And this was a part of a country of trust. And this was a part of membership of flesh and blood. And this was a part and belonged to the deliverance of. resonated with you about this story in particular and and maybe especially about that idea the hard history of love and that would go on to I, I would assume kind of shape the whole album in its way yeah it does set the tone and I'm really glad that it's the first the first story chronologically as well um I mean it's the story is kind of heavy um but it's got this bittersweetness and it's got the like it really rings true and real um like as much as I have a sense of humor and like to be whimsical and, you know, actually in the second song, that's pretty obvious, but mm -hmm. um, <laughs> a pretty big change of tone, which I'm glad the essay kind of helps to, you know, make that all work transition wise. But um, I mean, so like, so it's, it, it's, I feel like it's a really good introduction to Port William, partly because it's, it's from early on in its history. And I have, you know, I've studied history in college Um besides literature another one of the fields i really enjoy there's so much there like there it's a bit of a good samaritan story um it definitely has some you know there's a redemptive quality and yeah i mean it's just it's beautiful like it's you know it, it, the story starts off honestly just sounding kind of like it's gonna be this kind of humorous you know maybe prairie home companion-ish story about this this wonderful little town in kentucky that's kind of rough and tumble but you know uh but then like like when when the hurt man you know the bloodied man like uh you know bursts from this crowd and starts heading toward the door like this tense moment like whoa what's going to happen now and 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 you know this woman's home alone with her child like there's probably going to go hide but but yeah i mean like just the way it unfolds there's there's such beauty in it and the thing too is like like Wendell Berry does such a good job especially in the short stories i think of 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 capturing these really these these moments that are seemingly commonplace, but wind up being really formative in the lives of the characters. Well and said. I mean, the stories are so specific, like you get a sense of place, but in this interesting paradox, like when, when things are really, really specific, they tend to actually strike a chord that's universal. Sure. Like not everyone grew up in the late 1800s in Kentucky, but 
but like but that, that that formational moment in matt feltner's life where he real it dawns on him like the magnitude of life the bittersweetness the love and loss and cost as i put it in the song um of a darkness shot through with light i mean really if you listen to my music like james taylor would say like he's probably written the same song like dozens dozens of times um I, like in some ways like like my big themes tend to be wonder and um and hope in spite of darkness mm. and this so this this song actually does both of those things really well like you know i i, I have the recurring lines you know in the first the first verse in tenderness talking about nancy feltner and then in wonderment um describing matt feltner's uh reaction like in a matter of like i have to see how many pages this is but i was just reading from you know like it's like 11 pages long and this is like this is a master class in 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 conveying a, a place um an important moment in a person's life and it's something that's relatable to anyone who digs into it like if this is the only piece of wendell berry's work you ever read and you just and you had like you know 20 30 minutes waiting for a train or something and and this is the one piece you read i think that it would, that would be a good representation of his work it gets a good introduction not only to poor william but also wendell berry and what he's about yeah i feel like it does it covers it covers a lot of ground in a short period of time and not in any kind of a heavy-handed way or hurried way it's just like here's a, this one really sensitive moment uh, in the life of of this town and, and of some key characters in it and and this i think it's a it's a bit of you know show instead of tell mm -hmm. you know he just like it's like let me just let me just show you the scene and and feel however you're going to about it but i think i think you'll find it meaningful and as you alluded to earlier the album shifts with the help of the essay to two songs that are about uh ptolemy proudfoot and miss minnie and these are many people's like some of their favorite characters in Wendell Berry's yeah. fiction, certainly they are mine. These are the two stories are A Consent and The Solemn Boy from 1908 and then 1934. And Ptolemy Proudfoot is this longtime uh, bachelor, and he has kind of admired from afar the town school teacher, mm -hmm. but sees her as way out of his, his league. Miss Minnie, the school teacher, has kind of seen Ptolemy Proudfoot from afar but sees him as way out of her league. Uh, and so this story and your song is the, the, the song is a consent is really about their courtship. I, I, I love that tall, tall Proudfoot is tall and miss Minnie is Minnie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's why, yeah. The, so the song is called the ballad of tall and many. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where like, yeah, those are their names, but they're also like, it's like, it's a little on the nose, but in this like endearing kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I mean, of course, Tall's full first name is Ptolemy. Of course, as far as we know, Minnie's full first name is Minnie, but yeah, they're like, they're, they're also the sort of comical pair, partly because of that. Cause you know, it's like this gigantic, you know, big man who's also a teddy bear. And this this very prim and proper school teacher who's you know just been so focused on her work and is you know given all to that that she just hasn't ever settled down either. Uh, yeah, I, I love with this one particularly how um, see I'm flipping around to try to find it precisely, but I know in the essay leading into it, I talked. Um, let's see, uh, yeah, the the part about how um, how like their their love story and then them starting their relationship together. Um, like it is one of the dear possessions of yes. the history of Port William. Mm -hmm. It's like, like you get the sense, like this is the sort of thing that like anyone who's around at that time 
like like they tell at their tables they tell when they're sitting out on their porch um you know that that many after toll is passed you know still recalls it and things and and probably the two of them together would you know you know sit and laugh around the fire on a winter's evening you know remembering like you know how so remember how ridiculous he felt and how awkward he felt at this this harvest fest you know this was bachelor and just trying to like look invisible but he's huge so he can't like like this is such a such a sweet and endearing story and it it has its own moments of poignancy as well but it's maybe the the best as far as of wendelberry's short stories as far as like there being that comic relief there too Mm -hmm. You know that 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 uh, the way that the toll shows that he that he cares for Miss Minnie. Besides beginning to hang around a little bit, this this harvest fest and just showing up in the first place, and that's kind of putting a stake in the ground. But then you know this cake of her making, um, it's just this lovely thing, and like and like he sees it, and it's like he he wants to protect it with his life, um, like just about to that extent. <laughs> and so when time comes to auction it, like he is not going to let anyone else win. And I cover it in kind of short form in in the in 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 the song because there's already you know so many verses they're all short um but but you know just like this scene where like you know you know he's in this little bit of a bidding war and then he goes absurdly above like what anyone could possibly have imagined it's it's a bit like in groundhog day when Andy mcdowell's character bids on bill murray's character in the bachelor auction she literally has her checkbook out and says 379 dollars and however many cents and they stop the bidding and then it's just like this this splashy moment in the story so same here but yeah it's just so so winsomely told and uh it, it just feels like one of those those great stories that a family or community would have and uh and Wonderbury just does such a great job of that and and the song itself then is similarly like light and jubilant it's such a great story. Like there was no question. I wanted to see if there was a way I could work this in. Um, the challenge with all of these though, is like a lot of times people haven't read the story. So in, in short form in like, you know, three minutes, cause I don't think there's a single song here is longer than three, no, maybe, maybe longer than four minutes or so. So I need to provide the context to where, <laughs> I mean, I've got the essay to help, you know, the, the essay before does set the stage for that, but to sum it up and, and say all these things, uh, in a way that's also musically going to be sound, going to sound interesting. Um, and, and I do even pull in a little bit of James Whitcomb Riley with, uh, I think that's, yes, that's a poet that uh, when the frost is on the pumpkin, um, except for, I mean, the pumpkin, cause I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it just, there's a few different things that just kind of work together there, but mostly it was just most of these, not all the songs, but most of them are, are kind of like, you know, just get narrating what was happening in the short story in song form. This is one of those. The story of their courtship, which is called one of the dear possessions of the history of Port William. For folks who love this story, love this characters, like it becomes one of our dear possessions as well. I, yes. And I will say that I listened to the album uh, for the first time when I was driving to meet my friend for dinner, actually the co-host of this podcast. And mm-hmm. when this song started playing, I don't even think I knew at, at first that it was about Tall and Minnie. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I did because of the essay. But I don't even think the lyrics had started yet, but it's just a fun song. I smiled like a goofball, like the whole time it was playing. Uh, it's it's a great song, great song about two of my favorite characters. Ptolemy Proudfoot, a mountain of a man, humble and awesome, in touch with the land. 
try to serve the work to the best that you can, oh, so far as it goes. Miss Minnie Quinch was tiny and petite, smart as a whip and quick on her feet. Gotta serve the work, keep the kids, take your seat, oh, so far as it goes. But he felt beneath her notice, and she didn't know he cared. In a story they could share Oh, when the frost is on the pumpkin And the leaves are burning red And the fields are ripe for harvest And a chill is in the air Well, told he got his courage up to go that's one of the things that makes these stories feel true to life. The fact that you've got this bittersweet, meaningful, shaping moment in these like big, profound ways. Like, and then, and then you've got this, just like this fun and endearing story. Like life's mm-hmm. like that sometimes where it's, you know, <laughs> you know, where it just feel like the scenes are all jumbled up, but you know, it's all for a reason, but yeah, like you might not understand it at the time. So, so yeah, the fact that you've got this uh, and actually with instrumentation, like when I play, when I play a hard history of love solo, yeah, it's definitely much sweeter sounding as far as the, uh, like the instrumentation. Um, but, but yeah, like the, there's like these heavy piano pieces that kind of give like, it focuses more on the gravity of, of the story, like the lightness of it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so but yeah, with this one, there was no question this is just gonna be a fun tune. You know, mandolin is kind of like let to run free all over it and uh <laughs> it's a good effect. And yeah, it's like it's just it's just fun. Wendelberry in his short stories, actually in all of his fiction, will sometimes have these these very brief but very effective characterizations. And one of my favorites is in this short story when he's talking about tall proudfoot barry says that his farm was 98 acres and it never like he was never interested in getting the other two to make it an even hundred like there is like there's a like there's just a kind of um self assuredness about that but also it fits into Mm -hmm. a, a frequent theme of wendell berry's which is about the both the power and frankly the necessity of limits and all of that is a very, mm-hmm. very tortured segue to a question I wanted to ask you. <laughs> um, actually, about <laughs> about an interview that you gave with the Rabbit Room, because I thought this was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you were saying that the process of writing an album, writing a song based on a classic work of literature about other people and other places, that really narrows your focus. But you were saying that limitations can be freeing. So like I said tortured segue Mm, but i wanted to ask you about this as you were as you were writing these songs how was limitation freeing for you i mean like on on the day-to-day i don't know if i necessarily think of my life as being exceedingly busy but but when i really think about sit down and think about it and talk with other people about it i realize like i'm spending a lot of plates any given time i'm a you know, I'm a husband. I'm a father of a special needs teenager who's he's just just recently became a teenager. Um, most mm-hmm. cheerful person that I know. But uh, so there's that, and then you know I work full time at a college, and of course there's there's music, which is uh, you know I'm a sometimes touring artist for that, and certainly recording artist, and and I lead worship music, and you know I do some writing uh, for you know, 
Canadian music blog and for SongRx with UTR Media and like all these all these other different things. And I'm also still an avid reader and all. I'm learning piano. Uh, so like I, I I tend to have a lot of things going on, but I find that like I find that having a prompt to write to or something specific to write about is really helpful. Like some of my songs, you know, there's like this this inspiration and like I have a song called Safer that I, you know, I just got a new guitar and I sat down with it and started playing this Kings of Convenience song melody. And and I liked half the melody and like turned that into a different melody. And before my dinner was done, I had like, you know, the first draft of this song and I hadn't sat down to write for anything in particular, but that's that like, I find it so much easier for me that something's particular to write to. Well, I'm not a big, big fan of playing a bunch of cover songs, although sometimes I do for fun. I have a series on YouTube where I do that. Um, I do like drawing on something that the other people will, will know and, and hopefully like, like I do. Um, like so writing about literature like just seems like it's been a really great fit for that so like when the concept for the last album and this album um, have come about like that's something specific it's like all right now I, I have some direction sometimes sometimes you know uh, a multitude of options feels like too many choices mm -hmm. like you write about any number of things or any number of things that's going on in my own life and of course I always wind up you know writing some of myself into these uh but you know, like it's, it's it's really quite niche what I do. But I just find that it's, uh, like it, it's very fulfilling for me. And like, and I feel like in recent years, the last five or six years, I really connect with people who are in that niche. And it's on on me. Like I don't have to try to write songs that everyone who possibly listens is going to love. Like I'm gonna write songs that like, like I feel like I can write well about certain things that that I that I really enjoy and love, and and perhaps. It might not be everyone out there it might not be like, you know, the number one performing artist on Spotify, but, but if there's like, you know, dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of people who also enjoy it all the better. Like mm -hmm. Alan Levi was doing a, he's a singer, songwriter and author. And he did a, a interview for, I think it was for podcasts, one of the rabbit room uh, podcasts. And he was talking about having a, a microscopic, but avid fan base, which I really <laughs> like that. Like, I feel like that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. And that's that's okay, you know. You be be faithful with what you got, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I found I found that to be really fulfilling. So, yeah, the limitation of like needing to take a particular story, uh, find an angle, you know, like it's either going to be like narrating what's happening here, or from one of the characters' perspective, like the next song, nineteen thirty four is, mm -hmm. um, like it's more directly from Toll's perspective thirty years later. Um, or, or if it's something like the last song, which we'll probably talk about as well, um, the way we are mm -hmm. where rather than like the wild birds was a story that, that I don't know how I was going to like give enough context for this to be meaningful. So I focused on something that Burley Coulter said and made the song like around that idea. And also sort of as a retrospective for the album, yeah. I'm kind of skipping all around the rest of the album at this point. But the point is like, like I, so I enjoy, and I embrace that challenge. Um, and, and, and I feel like I've done it enough times now that I've gotten to, to feel confident with it. I guess the idea is like, like, like I'm looking at a story, looking at a consent, for instance, and I'm like, like this song, this story really grabs me and, but why? And, and so, you know, I'll jot out phrases. Like as I was writing these, I was like writing down particular phrases and what pages, pages they were on. So I could revisit that once I started to work on melody ideas. Yeah. Just kind of, kind of built it from there and but then with the with the intention of not not trying to like 
it's not like trying to make like a movie adaptation and trying to like make it as faithful as possible. The idea is just like, like, well, what's something really striking about this story? What's something Wendell was really trying to say, at least what I got from it. And, and why do I love you know the story? Why do I, why do I find this brilliant? And then it's like, all right, let me start with that. And let me make it about that. And I might use some of the same words Wendell used mostly words of my own, but conveying some similar ideas and, uh, and, you know, like, hopefully, you know, I find a good test of a song is like, you write a draft, you record it on the, you know, your voice memos, and then you come back to it, maybe a week later, the next day, whatever. Um, and if it still holds up, keep working on it. And, and, and if not, you're like, well, yeah, this little part of that was good, but the rest of it, no, I think I just got to chuck that. That's okay. You know, you know, it's supposed to be right for, for, for quantity. Um, you do wind up, you know, eventually getting good quality. We sift it all down. So although, although I will say, like, it's not like I wrote like, you know, 30 songs to this album. And these are, these are the ones it's like, I really did set out to write the number of songs that are on there, mm. but, but they, they went through some different iterations. And like I said, a hard history of love the, the recorded version um, instrumentally is pretty different. Even the arrangement is a little different, uh, like song structure wise, but in a way that like we just kind of molded and shaped it in the studio and I'm happy with what we came out with. It's a hard decision to do this, but for the sake of time, I do want to kind of skip to the fifth and final song on the album. And that's the song, The Way We Are. And the, as you have said, The Way We Are is based on the short story, The Wild Birds. It takes place in 1967 and it features Burley Coulter, another well, at least another one of my absolute favorite characters. He's in a discussion with uh, his friend and lawyer, Wheeler Catlett. And there's this quote that actually it's the quote from which we got the name of our podcast, the membership. Burley says, mm -hmm. the way we are, we are members of each other, all of us, everything. The difference ain't in who is a member and who is not, but in who knows it and who don't. Yeah. Would you mind talking a bit about this concept of membership what does it mean to you and you could take that question anywhere you want to where anywhere you want to as an artist husband and father as a neighbor all of the above like talk a little bit about membership i mean i think it does encapsulate all of those things or it can um i mean i would start with you know as, as a christian one one of the senses of membership is that every person is made in the image of god whether they like it or not um and <laughs> And it's, you know, so there's a certain dignity. I mean, like, I think a lot of times, you know, societally, we talk about like what people should have rights and, and, uh, and what people are important and why we should protect and preserve them. And we should, but we don't really ever talk about the why. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I think that, that Christianity gives a really the best answer I've heard to that. And that it's like every person was made in the image of God. Like, even if it's pretty buried down in there somewhere, um, there's something there. Um, and so, so in some sense, there is, you know, the whole idea of the brotherhood of man, you know, of humankind, um, in a very real way, it's about that. My song Harbor, that the single I released some years ago, um, delves into that and in kind of more on that level. Um, but, but I mean, there's other things too. It's so a Burley's, he, he's talking about, um, about like people being a member of the community and that basically it's like they're born into it. And I do feel like these days, like so many, so many times people are, are not saying where they grew up, uh, but moving all about. I mean, my family moved from Indiana to North Carolina when I was 14. And then 
I also lived in Virginia and Maryland and now Pennsylvania. And I just, just not too long ago passed the, the amount of time I've been in Pennsylvania is past the amount of time I was in Indiana. I think part of the reason why Pennsylvania feels like the first place that's really felt like, like home in a deep sense since Indiana is because we, part of it's because we have so many, well, one, we've been, we've been in this one same town, this town of Mount Joy, Pennsylvania, uh, for now since 2007. We put down roots here and my wife has a large family. She has seven siblings and all of them live within 40 minutes of where I'm sitting right now. Um, and we get together regularly. My parents moved here and they're five minutes away. Yeah, you know, I, I often driving through Mount Joy and and like literally out loud to myself, you know, uh, maybe it's like I'm driving down Main Street and the, you know, the Christmas decorations are up and it's like dark and it's 530, but it's like this quiet and serene moment. And I'll be like, you know, I really do love this town. Hmm. You know, it's it's really become my home now. And so so there's that sense as well. But I mean, there's also like the, the depth of like family and deep friendships uh, and the connections there. Like my brother, who I'm very close with, lives in Virginia. You know, so I don't see him often, but we, we stay in touch regularly and we're clearly part of the same membership as well. Okay. So there are so many different facets you can look at it. I think that the common the common theme is that there's this belonging uh, that there's a kind of uh, like a, like a, like a deep belonging that maybe isn't even something you chose for yourself, but that you've like, you've matured enough to lean into it and realize like, this really is a, a, an important part of who I am. And I think that that that's something that almost all of Wendell Berry's Port William characters get. And that is Andy Catlett character, you know, basically Wendell himself in fictionalized form really gets deeply. And like, like part of the reason he becomes a rememberer of the Port William membership and that he calls it the Port William, Port William membership is because like that, that that's his like it's like his term of endearment to to refer to this whole group of people living and who have passed on before mm-hmm. um who you know, who are part of of that group um who have that common bond of, of blood of friendship of shared work um of appreciation for the land and for each other or respect so it's, it's all of those things like mm-hmm. membership just really is a term that that wraps it all up in a really beautiful and messy package. Yes. And it occurs to me too, that the way that you've chosen to record and release this album is itself a kind of membership. Uh, they're mm-hmm. are the people with whom you record the album. Uh, yeah. And maybe you could talk a bit about that, but then also how you're choosing to put it out into the world. You're, you are gathering a whole community of supporter collaborators on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, um, I mean, the fact that the fact is that, uh, I mean, when I made wonder of it all, it was with the old bear studio guys up in Batavia, New York. And, and I, um, you know, most of them I was, I was meeting like moments before we were recording my songs, <laughs> but, uh, which still worked out great. But the second time around coming back, it was, you know, it was, you know, like, Hey, great to see you guys again. <laughs> you know, we, we actually did one last day in the studio because we, we had a better sense of how each other worked and what we were doing with the structure of this project. So, so there, yeah, there's definitely that. And I really appreciate the old bear guys um, a lot for all their, their wildly creative ideas, including percussion on this album and also the previous one was actually done on books. Like, like That's I have some awesome. videos of, of us flapping pages of like the need to be whole or, Am I, I know I brought my signed copy of citizenship papers, but I don't, I'm pretty sure I definitely, we didn't like drum on it or anything. So like literally the books are part of the sounds. And that was, mm-hmm. that was Chris Hoisington and old bear uh, studio. Like that was their idea. 
Um, so, so there's that. And then, I mean, with Wonder of All, I just funded it myself and, and I could have done that with this, but well, one, I released that album in 2021, which was during the pandemic. It was kind of a non-event, but um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was well-received and, you know, but like, it wasn't like, it was just very different, obviously. Mm-hmm. With this, I definitely wanted to invite people along, and and those who watch the Kickstarter video will see like I, I'm inviting people to partner with me on it. You know, actually, the amount that I'm looking to raise isn't the full amount that it, that's going to you know that I'll incur total. Um, you know, a lot of it's my own, you know, just investing still. But I wanted people to feel like they were a part of it, that they could be, uh, you know, a meaningful piece of this happening. <laughs> and when, and it's vulnerable. You throw something like that out there, and you hope that people are going to to understand to care and hopefully also to care enough to support and uh and thankfully thus far they have been and so sometimes in surprising ways and people i never would have guessed but they they really resonate with the um the theme which that's one of the ways that such a theme as this really does help like even if people don't any idea about my music um if they like the idea of like songs based on one of the berries work they might just be on board anyway and there's also people who who have no idea who Wendell Berry is who just want to back me because they want to support my music and see it succeed or uh, you know I mean like it's a, it's a wide variety but it's it's a varied group just like the Port William group is such such a wide cast of characters uh, and like even just you know flipping through the the backer report um, recently like it's like I see like it's a bit of like that old show um, this is uh, was this is your life you know where it's like. <laughs> Like, here's a voice from your past, Matt Wheeler. And then it'll be, yeah, you know, it's someone that, like, you know, I went to college with. And then it's someone that I know from this sphere of music. And then it's someone I work with at the college. And then it's like my cousin who lives in the Midwest or, or whatever, like, you know, uh, just for example. So it's cool to see people rally around this. I mean, I feel like when you have an album coming out, it's, it's a bit like expecting a child. Like, I've only ever seen that secondhand, you know obviously as a man but but um but you know it's like it's like you, you've been working on you know, you know you've been working on like growing this 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 thing that that you really love and and you know it's going to be amazing and you think everyone else is going to love it too but you don't necessarily but you hope they will you don't you don't know for sure i guess and so it's not a perfect metaphor but 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 it's like you know well to carry out the metaphor if it's like Kickstarter is like the baby shower, if you will. Um, and uh, like they, they, these people, these people who care and they haven't met the baby yet, the song and stories, baby, me, I'm taking this metaphor too far, but um, they haven't met this album, baby, but uh, album child, what have you, but they, but, but, but they're, they're showing support that, that they're, they're going to be there with me, you know, as, as the album is born. And so, so it's, it's cool. And um and I'm really, I'm grateful. And it, it's a little different perhaps doing this. I mean, so there's a couple of different schools of thought on like when you do a Kickstarter, sometimes it's like, we need this level of funding or we can't make this album. It'll never happen. But I have recorded this in March and we're, I'm running this in August. So, so it's like, this is mostly done, but I need your help to launch this. Yeah. Uh, but the nice thing with that is then I can actually, it's like, like, oh, here's what you're backing. Like, here's, here's a taste. Here's one of the songs. Um, you know, here's the, the song in the background of the, uh, the Kickstarter video. So, so the song, the way we are is intended to kind of encapsulate that. Like the chorus literally, now that's one of those direct quotes. It kind of bookends with like hardest real love being a direct quote. And then like, 
you know, the way we are, we're members of each other, all of us, everything. And then there's where I added on together. We'll see many seasons, a joy in spite of reasons, a love that endures anything. Um, it's like, yeah, it's kind of me extending the thought, but, but, you know, we start off this, this bittersweet, you know, you know, there's all this love and loss and cost, but there's this, this deep goodness, you know, to start with. And there's, we, you know, we go through a lot of contours, including, you know, meeting these unusual strangers and trying to, uh, yeah, like I really like where I where where I wound up leaving off the song 1934, and I won't spoil that for anybody who's not heard it. But yeah, you know, so there's there's all like kind of mystery in that, mm-hmm. and then there's like you know the the soldier who's coming home and mm-hmm. like leaving the war behind him as he walks home, uh, and like there's all these different facets, these different people in these different situations. In the case of the second and third songs, it's the same people, some of the same people, but 30 years apart. Um, but then like to bring it all back, and it's like. It's like, what's the commonality in all of this? It's, you know, we are members of each other. You know, this is, this is all of, this is our shared hard history of love. And uh, so, so I felt like those two songs really bookended nicely as far as the, um, as far as like, just kind of capturing where I wanted to go with this album and, you know, highlight some of the themes in Barry's own work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Part of the membership that is bringing this album to life is our mutual friend, Ned Bustard, who you mentioned earlier. He's an um, artist and writer, gallery owner, publisher. Uh, A lot of folks might know his work from the Every Moment Holy books. He's also done some great children's books with InterVarsity Press. And he did the album art for A Hard History of Love. And -hmm. it's great. And, And honest, actually one of the rewards or bonuses in Kickstarter is a t-shirt that is yeah. like based on that is this album art and that's i don't know i i supported it <laughs> no pressure i'm not i'm not <laughs> trying to thank you well yeah that. yeah i don't know I, I i'm supposed to be giving in secret right but still like <laughs> i i supported it and uh i wanted to make sure i got that t-shirt because it looks really cool um, yeah but it's great like so can you talk a little bit about working with ned to 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 do the album art yeah and though like thankfully i might have the good problem of needing to figure out like some stretch goals um mm-hmm. And one of them, I don't know if it'll be a stretch goal or just a regular add-on. I'm thinking of I need to confer with Ned about uh, like like some prints of oh, that. Yes. Like if that's the sort of thing I yep. think that people would enjoy, like framing. We like, have three actually, prints of his in our house. Yeah, well, I, I know, I know, of course, that you know, listeners aren't going to be able to see this, but right over my shoulder is is a print of uh, of from from the uh, liturgy before taking the stage from Every Moment mm. Holy, which I regularly yeah say a liturgy before I well take the stage mm-hmm. um usually a house concert stage or church concert stage but um yeah so ned he um i guess i first got to know of him because he he was an adjunct professor at lancaster bible college where i work um but then more recently it's been he's the curator and runs uh, uh square halo gallery in lancaster right in the middle of downtown um in a building that's actually also owned by the college where i work i remember when i when i was when i was formulating the ideas of wonder of it all. And I was thinking that his, his, this, this is, I mean, I'd gotten plugged into the rap room community. Just, I was probably a few months deep into it at that point, but I already knew Ned. We're already faced with friends and we didn't know each other real well, not really well. Um, but um, I remember I floated the idea to him in a message. I was like, Hey, I've got this idea for this song based on these stories. And I mapped out like little prints and orthodoxy and you know, the other ones I mentioned earlier. And and I figured like I might hear from him within a week. He got back to me like an hour and was like, like, this sounds amazing. Count me in. And I was like, cool, what's your rate? And he was like, well, we'll talk about that later. I'm totally 
totally interested in being part of this. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, we did come up with something reasonable later, but, but yeah, I love what he came up with. It really captured the idea of, of wonder that the album is about. And so, so it came time to do this one and, and, uh, you know, he was instrumental in, uh, in actually helping me narrow the focus. And so, so he, he actually had, you know, a direction piece there, but Mm -hmm. we were talking about what, what, uh, what the cover art was going to look like, like what it would evoke, like, I can wonder if it all, like there's a nod to each of the stories, but this one I was thinking like, I think we're going to focus on just one of the stories, maybe something a little closer to like what's in every moment. Holy. And the hurt man just seems like it made sense. You know, it's a very evocative story and the piece that he's made. One thing he does really, really well is like in a single panel, you know, like really, really capturing the essence of what's, what's going on, like making something that they'll make you think and feel and that you'll remember. And he really did that well with this one um, as as well. And and in typical Ned Bustard fashion, there's there are little nods, little things that you might not immediately pick up on, like like a fun Easter egg for any for for listeners of this podcast. I haven't pointed out to anyone else um, is that if you look at the the kettle um, closely in the graphic, uh, he he put my initials on it, MW. So there's like stylized, just like look like it's his decoration on the side of of this little uh, kettle. And turns out like it's, yeah, he sent it to me. I was like, yeah, look there, you'll see your initials. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And, and you know, like there, there's a kind of literal scene of like, you know, Nancy Fellner staunching the old, the, 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 the hurt man's wounds. But there's also like little nods, like the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, you know, like the, uh, like, like the, the white birds just kind of, the birds descending, like showing approval, <laughs> you know, um, you know, like suggesting this, this spiritual element, mm-hmm. um, I just shared about that online earlier today and uh, I saw a bit ago, someone commented like, Hey, like, like who did the art? I have a guess, but who, you know, who was it? And I could have told her it was Ned. And I'm sure that was her guess because like, he, ha- he has a distinct style, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason I really love um, working with him on, on this kind of, th- this kind of thing. So, um, and the process is really cool too. Like he'll, he'll show me like the, the, the piece of linoleum that he's like carved, to be what ends up being the mirror image but um but you know and then, and then we you know it goes through all these iterations before that it's a sketch we kicked around a few things um before we wound up actually i did a sketch in return and i'm not the visual artist he is but i can draw a little i was like this is kind of how i was thinking the characters would be oriented more or less and, and then he did like a you know master version of what i had in mind it's great to work with him, but it's it's also like he's part of the Lancaster membership of the creative. Yes, Lancaster's got a great creative scene, and so to to work with people who who are right ge- geographically, my neighbors, um, it just feels fitting. Like I think I would have done it anyway, but you know, it's just like especially for this one, it just feels like it makes sense. Totally, I love that how you put that. He's part of the Lancaster membership. That's great, and how fitting then that he would be a part of this again. Well, as you and I are talking, the Kickstarter is 75% funded. I think mm-hmm. last time I looked, we were like, I say we, what? Last time I looked. <laughs> You're part what? of this membership too, John. That's, okay, I mean... <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, I had a very minimal part, but I'm a part of it and I love that. Um, you are a part of it. For real. Last time I looked, we, our membership had close to 100 backers. Uh, yeah. Pretty close. Uh, so... Maybe when people are listening to this, I can't tell you where it is, but what I do know is that the Kickstarter ends very early in the morning on Friday, August 25th, like 7 a.m. So 
if yeah. this is if this is something you'd like to support, which I, I I hope that it is, I definitely encourage you to go check it out. But I also urge you not to wait until Friday morning because it may be may be done <laughs> at that point. Uh, it might but, be too late by then. Yeah, but we will include a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes so that people can go there directly. Man, is there anything that we haven't talked about, either about the Kickstarter, the album, or anything else that we should touch on before we kind of wrap up? We've covered a lot of ground, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and I even talked about the the books being used as uh, to make sounds. I love to, that. Uh, and it is, it is literally Wendell Berry books, so it's it's... It's so on brand and I love it. Um, and which is also why I like, well, I, I haven't had new bookmarks made for this, but we do have bookmarks. I, I have bookmarks made for the, have uh, their leather bookmarks made by Growly Leather that have the uh, Anarnian horse on it from the Wonder of It All graphic. Um, I, I might do something like that with like a new round of bookmarks. I have like one of the birds on it, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Growly Leather is great. I just ordered a pad folio from them uh, mm. two weeks ago. Uh, which it'll be my second. I, I met them at Hutchmoot. Yeah. And uh, they do great work. And those, I did see those bookmarks. They look, they look pretty sweet. And what a good story too. Um, it, this family business. And yeah, like mm -hmm. I recommend people check out Guy Leather's um, website where they can read about that, but uh, let them tell their story in their, their own words. But yeah, like, and those are people that I met through the rabbit room. Um, and I mean, it's like that. The rabbit room is a really beautiful um and has been very formative for me, uh, version of membership as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, just you know, like, like getting involved there and feeling like I found my tribe. Uh, and like, so, so a big shout out to, to the rabbit room for, for their influence and like the, the, the tangible things like Matt Connor's interview about the album. Um, and you know, them putting Erebus on their literary playlist, which you could totally check out. They, they got lots of good playlists, but, um, but yeah, like just like all these these little ways, like like people that I met, like when I went to Hutchmoot, like like I feel like one way that I feel like it's it was a precursor to heaven and the new creation is this idea of um like meeting people for the first time and feeling like you've been old friends. Mm -hmm. Um there's a line that Gonzo sings in the Muppet movie, one of my favorite films ever. Um one of mine too, and you have a new single that yeah, I saw. I, I love it. That was yes. the first movie I ever saw in the theater. I'm wild about that soundtrack. Totally. That's okay, tangent, Gonzo. Though. Yes. Yes. So um, so I don't it was providential, I'm sure, but like for reasons I don't particularly remember, I was driving to Hutchmoot for the first time last October. And um maybe it was shuffle, maybe I thought of a lyric from the song, decided to listen to it. Maybe I was listening to Moving Right Along, which I also really love, mm -hmm. um, and came across that next. I don't remember exactly, but I ended up on the drive listening to i'm going to go back there someday yes. and i heard this listen that hit me differently this is one line that hit me differently than i recall hearing before and that was where gonzo says uh you know there's not a word yet for old friends you've just met and it's like 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 okay. that that's i mean and there's a bunch of things about this song that seem to hint at heaven and the new creation as well mm -hmm. which may or may not have been what the songwriters had in mind but but then I got to Hutchmoot and and there were these these great experiences right off the bat, including meeting Matt Connor in person for the first time and him saying we should totally, you know, talk about your music. Um there at the rabbit room, like, yes. <laughs> uh but of all there's all these people who I'd known from online, but it was like we were old friends. And a lot of people I sat sat with at dinner who I hadn't even met that way, that it was just like we'd you know, we had our common faith in Christ and 
and and a lot of interests you know like you know we could we could mention waterships down and the you know one of us could say that and the other person didn't think it was like some like submarine adventure or something but <laughs> it's about rabbits for those who aren't sure um it's about more than just rabbits but it is about rabbits so, so yeah like that that was an experience that i feel like was sort of foreshadowing that way but i, I feel like the rabbit room does a good job of of cultivating a genuine membership maybe not a geographic one so much but but do they, they do that well and they and they encourage other people to do that where they are at really well i mean we're in such a placeless society these days you know um everything is so transient i guess you know mm-hmm. like uh you know people are at you know in 10 years might have five different jobs you know might live in you know eight different houses like you know they're 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 just so there's so much rootlessness if that's a word and uh wendell berry's work really really calls that out but also but 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 winsomely like it calls it out in a way that it's like well in the essays maybe wendell talks about more directly but but in this in the poor William stories it's more like like well let's let's look at what it looks like when people know their neighbors and, and get along well with them and respect them and people are living out the commandment of jesus to love your neighbor um like what does that look like in actual you know in actual life scenes and that's and that's what i think that's that's maybe a good place to land it is that that's that that's one of the things I see in Wendell Berry's writing, all of it, all the different forms, but especially the Port William fiction. Um, I think that like, like in summary, after all of that talking about it, that's probably what I most enjoy about it. If I'm most meaningful. Mm-hmm. Well, where else can, in addition to the Kickstarter link, which again is in the show description, where else can people connect with you online to see, you know, about future shows, other albums, other projects you have going on? Where's the best place for people to connect? Sure. So uh mattwheeleronline.com is is the hub, so to speak. Um so that that's my website, of course, as you may have put together. But um yeah, so that's one good place. Uh and I'm out, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh if people look up um Matt Wheeler. Well, on Instagram it's Matt Wheeler VH, a holdover from my band Matt Wheeler and Vintage Heart. Um, but there are a lot of other Matt Wheelers, including several that make music. So, um, but yeah. So, I mean, of course, yeah, if you, if you, uh, if you do a search for uh, Matt Wheeler and hard history of love, you'll find the correct artist mm-hmm. if you're, lo- if you're looking for me. And um, so, yeah, the Facebook, Instagram, my website. Yeah. There's other places in my pop-up. I like, I, I do, I do a series on YouTube. Um, I mean, if you look up, if you look up Matt Wheeler, black and white series, um, I I started during the pandemic. I I decided to, to record the John Foreman song "Your Love Is Strong," and put a black and white filter on it. And then the next month, not really meaning to make a series, I I, I recorded my son's favorite song, uh, "I Don't Want to Live on the Moon," the Ernie song from uh, mm-hmm. Sesame Street, um, which is really a poignant and beautiful song, and 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 humorous. Uh, so so I decided to do that, and that was an installment too. And now I'm on like thirty two i think will be next um so yeah people can can find some of my cover songs my interpretations there including some probably surprising ones the most recent one is is an acoustic version of uh the the theme to where in the world is carmen san diego the pbs show <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah i'm 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 a man of varied tastes uh when it comes to uh the music that i make because uh it's you know i definitely like to laugh and have fun 
can be lighthearted, but I also like the serious singer songwriter literary stuff and and uh, poetry and big words and things. So, so yeah, like uh, there's different different channels depending on what what flavor of those things you like. You can find think that you'll find amusing and enjoyable. So awesome. Well, this has been just so much fun. We can't remember if we actually met each other in person in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, <laughs> uh, with at Ned's Gallery. If we didn't, it was great to meet you uh, today. Thank you so much for this time. Congratulations on the album Heart History of Love, which is so good. And good luck with the Kickstarter. I really do encourage folks to check it out. This is, I don't know. I think it's the kind of thing we should be supporting as a community. So this is yeah. it's really wonderful. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, John. And uh, and to what I was just saying, it feels like we're like we're old friends. Like we could have, mm-hmm. like we could have been on the same hall in college and played spades and such. And like we're just getting back together, even though even if we met once in Lancaster, that would have been the only time. But mm-hmm. yeah, so certainly what certainly Mr. Barry's work has given us uh, a lot to uh, a lot of food for thought and and good stuff to talk about. So absolutely, yeah, happy happy to uh, have the conversation. Thank you for taking the time. Yep. And thanks for inspiring us to get a move on and bring the podcast back. I I happy to have some small part in doing that. I was I was delighted when you let me know that 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 this was going to be the conduit for that to happen. It's like it's kind of, kind of surreal, but uh but wonderful. So we've so been talking you. about it for months. And when I saw your Kickstarter, I, I told you the story. I'll tell the, the listeners. My new co-host and I have been talking about bringing it back for months. And just had not gotten around to doing it. The Kickstarter popped up and I sent a text with the link to the Kickstarter to my co-host. And I said, I think we need to launch right away in time to support this Kickstarter and use this as our final motivation just to get going. So thank you for that. Happy to kickstart more than just my own album. (laughs) Awesome. Great. (laughs) Thanks again. Absolutely. Well, friends, thank you for joining us for this episode of The Membership. Remember that the link to Matt's Kickstarter campaign is in the show notes. In our next episode, David and I will be talking about Wendell Berry's children's book, Whitefoot, A Story from the Center of the World. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at MembershipPod. And our website is MembershipPod.com. The Membership is a proud member of the Rabbit Room Podcast Network. You can find more great podcasts at rabbitroom.com slash podcast. Thanks, everyone, and we will see you next time.